You're listening to the Seaworthy Podcast, Episode 4, focusing on customer success. Seaworthy is a podcast about building successful software. Today we're talking about the benefits of understanding, focusing on, and serving your customers with Brian Reith of Handshake. Hey, Andrew Verbencourt here. I'm joined by Brian Reith from Handshake. How you doing, buddy? Good. How are you doing? Good. I'm doing good. Thanks for coming down. Yeah, no problem. Yeah. How was uh, how was the drive? Uh, I threw the kids in the car, dog in the back, and uh, drove down. Yeah, so yeah. it wasn't too bad. The kids are a little loud, but that's all I got. It's good. Where'd they go? <laughs> they went to your sister? Uh, yeah, they're staying at my brother-in-law's for the day, and then I'm going to head over there after this. Nice. Try to get done with you fools. Try to get a, uh, a stop at the macaroon shop. I know that's <laughs> yeah, always maybe, a staple. Yeah. My wife's in Hawaii, though, so so macaroons will go to waste. Gotcha. Green Bay is known for that, or De Pere, I should say. Their macaroons are world famous. World famous, yeah. Well, famous in the in the uh, Wisconsin UP area, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if that means much. Right. Um, yeah, well, for those that, that don't know you, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, who you are, what you do, where you're sure. from? Yeah, so I'm, uh, I'm Brian Reith, obviously, like Andrew said. Um, I have done software development probably for the last 10 or so years since college, and I've kind of jumped around a few different positions, but uh, started out doing development at a company in Detroit for the big three automakers, which was like the dark period in my life. Um, but I moved back up to the UP after that. I worked at a company called CCI Systems. Um, basically, as a developer, development manager, I managed the IT department for a while, and then eventually I was a, a business u- unit manager at, at CCI, um, running our managed services group. So um, I've done a lot around kind of software development and kind of managing development teams and then managing teams that used products my teams were developing as well. So kind of gained a lot of experience there. Um, and then after CCI, um, I moved on to a Handshake. So I uh, came on at Handshake as an engineer. I actually did some some uh, development consulting for them for a few months before I came on full time. Um, and then very quickly moved into our customer success group about a week into uh, my full time stint at Handshake. So for the past year, I've been running uh, the customer success group. I also ran our university sales group uh, for about six months during that period as well. Um, and then just recently I moved back to our engineering team. So kind of getting back to my roots, uh, uh, throwing off the manager hat a little bit and going back to an individual contributor role, which has been really interesting the last few weeks. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's got to be quite a transition from CCI, which is more corporate environment, to Handshake, which is obviously a um, fast-growing startup out in San Francisco. Um, could you talk a little bit about how that transition's been for you? Um, sure. Maybe what some of the nuances are of that? Yeah, I, you know, I think in general, um, I've always been kind of a guy that values kind of small teams and kind of, uh, you know, an empowering environment, I guess is one way to say it. So um, even at CCI, I think I did a lot of things where I was um, the one kind of pushing for changes and kind of, you know, building out kind of new product lines and things like that. So. Um, you know, CCI certainly, you know, it's a bigger company, about 500 employees um, in a lot of different kind of different lines of business. So it, it, it's certainly a different environment. But um, I think it was a good experience in general and just kind of, um, you know, an entrepreneur type role, right, where mm-hmm. we're kind of doing new business and new business lines in, uh, in an existing company, which was really interesting. 
Um, but yeah, I definitely like moving to Handshake and, and going to basically, I think it was a 12 person team or so when I started full time. Um, so I find a wholly different environment. You basically, you know, taking ownership of whatever you're working on. There's nobody backing you up. There's no, right. you know, there's no team of people to, uh, to do your work for you or to, uh, push things forward if you're not going to push it forward yourself. So it's been, uh, it's definitely been interesting and we've grown quite a bit. I mean, like I said, I think when I started, we were 12, uh, we're at about 40 today. So that's just, and that's like 14, 15 months. So, mm. um, yeah, it's been a, it's been an interesting process kind of growing the customer success and support team that, that I was managing from basically, you know, two or three people to 15 or so, uh, and, uh, really building kind of a business from scratch in a lot of ways. So it's, it's been interesting, uh, you know, but I think it's, it's, uh, it's been rewarding as well. Yeah, definitely. And when when you talk about being an entrepreneur at CCI, you know, obviously you have the luxury of maybe a, a different P&L uh, where you get a budget, you get a lot more resources at a startup, you're a lot more uh, scarce when it comes to that. What are some of the things that, um, that you think translated over well from CCI or maybe that you learned more at Handshake as far as, you know, using resources, um, you know, being lean and, and kind of trying to do things that create the most value? Yeah, well, I think it's interesting. So at, at CCI, it was, you know, like you said, we I had a budget, you know, very much kind of, uh, right. you know, every year we'd sit down and go through that budget process. We'd figure out what, what staff would look like. We'd figure out, um, you know, basically what we were going to do for that year. And it was kind of very, I would say, like infrequent planning, right? Like, you, so we sit down and like figure out the plan for the next six months, the next 12 months, and, right. and kind of run with that. And that was pretty much what we stuck with. So I think that was valuable. Like, I think it definitely was an interesting experience, just kind of gaining that wisdom, I guess, and like, you know, really understanding that process mm-hmm. and getting into P&L and really understanding how to how to track that, how to think about that, um, and things like that. But um, at Handshake, it's just different in a lot of ways so we're a you know venture-backed company that's that's kind of one big difference like there's not as much pressure to be immediately profitable as as you might have at an an existing company or a company that's not uh you know bootstrapping a division and allowing it to be like a loss leader within their company right um so handshake i think it's you know there's very much kind of whatever we need to do, we're going to do it. And if we need to, you know, pivot and kind of change strategies week to week or month to month, we'll do that as well. So I think it's just uh, a little less rigid and a little more fluid as far as planning goes. And like, you know, certainly sitting down uh, up to kind of the last couple of weeks, like sitting down every week, thinking about, you know, the leadership team, thinking about what we want to do as a company and what our priorities are. And and in a lot of cases, a handshake like that that can change month to month, and uh, right. you know we can kind of adapt to that. So I think that's that's one thing that's a lot different is is just kind of the the pace of change and kind of the ability to kind of change strategies and change course. Like if, if something's not working out, or we find an area in the company that really needs uh, some more investment. So right, yeah. I mean, and that you know that sounds pretty similar to a lot of the startups we hear about. Um, you know, but one of the things. Obviously, it's better that you can pivot. There's less friction to change that. Where maybe a you know more corporate environment, you have to go, you have to climb the ladder and tap someone's shoulder in order to make things happen. Right. Um, it's good to have that kind of venture um, backing with, I'm sure, a lot of resources and stuff that come along with. And you guys recently closed that round. I think earlier this year, your Series A is that right? Yeah, yeah. So we, I, so I came on in June of last year, and um, our seed round was in March of that year. So March 2015, we raised the seed round. 
and like I said, we've been growing like crazy over the last year or so. And then uh, in February, I believe, late February of this year, we closed our Series A. And so the seed round was led by um, a, a venture firm called Lightspeed and um, True Ventures. And then our Series A was was led by Kleiner Perkins out in mm-hmm. San Francisco as well. So yeah, so a lot of uh, a lot of bigger name um, firms and, and investment companies that have a lot of successes under their belt. So I'm sure that's good to kind of have their um, vision for what Handshake can be and, and have that backing from them. Um, you know, heard a lot from from kind of their team on other podcasts and other um, blogs and stuff like that. They're definitely a thought leader in yeah. in the space. And just, you know, last week we had um, Design Disruptors on and some of their, you know, a lot of their crew was from there. Um, you know, there was two or three people on there just kind of talking about startups and thinking about design and design thinking uh, as a way of solving problems. So definitely uh, uh, good to see that. Um, yeah, it's been cool working with with all, all of kind of the, the VCs that, that we've been involved with, but, but Kleiner especially. So Eric Fang is on our board and kind of led our investment. He was a uh, founding CTO at Hulu mm-hmm. and was, was at Flipboard as well. Um, so it's just been kind of cool to have somebody with kind of the experience in kind of both on I mean, me coming from an engineering background and Eric coming from an engineering background as well. It's been it's been nice. Um, and then also just like somebody who's done it at a few other companies and like we have other members of our board have done it at a few other companies as well. So it's it's just cool to see like people that have been through it before have, have grown right. a company, whether it's a enterprise company or a consumer facing company um, at Handshake. We kind of have different kind of constituent users that, mm. that are very different. So we have, we're, you know, we're working with universities, which is much more of like an enterprise customer. We're working with employers, which is kind of kind of enterprise, but in some cases not really because like mm. some of these small companies that are recruiting on Handshake might only have one recruiter and it's really not a sophisticated organization necessarily from a right. manpower perspective especially. So uh, it's kind of consumer facing in some ways there. And then we have students using our platform as well, which is, is purely kind of consumer facing play. Um, so I think it's good just to have people with experience across kind of the spectrum of, you know, building out consumer facing businesses like Flipboard or Hulu and like, right. uh, you know, more enterprise focused uh, businesses as well. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a really good point, too. You know, the product is, you know, somewhat complex on the back end, but on the front end, you know, um, obviously simplifying what jobs need to be done for each one of those users. You know, the goal of a student is obviously to get a job or an internship or whatever. But the goal of an employer is to find someone. The goal of the, the career center is obviously to place people. So there's definitely different, you know, different flows that that happen along that journey. Yeah. Um, And what's really interesting about it, I think, at least is, you know, there's kind of different use cases, different jobs to be done, like you said, but, um, you know, especially in our space, like employers and students are kind of two sides of this market. Um, and we work really closely with, you know, career service centers, especially at universities. But um, what's nice about it is I think they're, they're fairly complementary kind mm-hmm. of uh, user bases. So like the university's end goal is to make sure that there's enough employers coming to their campus and recruiting yep. their students. And the student's goal is obviously... Uh, to get a job, and it's the university's uh, goal to make sure their students are getting placed outside of college. So, um, you know, it's just interesting in a way how we have kind of you know different constituents, but um, in a lot of ways, like their their goals are complementary to each yep. other, and, and it, it makes it a little easier to handle. Whereas, you know, most businesses that were trying to get off the ground and kind of serve three different markets would be uh, you know a little hard pressed to do that. And in, but in our case, I think uh, some of the synergies. Uh, to use a really horrible word, uh, make it a little easier to uh, to manage. 
Yeah, definitely. And I'd be curious to know if you if you know any of the, um, I guess, implications or um, benefits of recruiting at a specific school. I know like alumni coming back and recruiting from their school. Is there a stronger placement in those? You see companies have strong ties to specific schools and like the psychology of that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I certainly think there's there's a, a pretty big alumni influence at most universities and kind of, um, so I went to Michigan Tech in, in the UP in the Upper Peninsula. Um, but you look at kind of the companies that recruit there and it's it's a lot of places that have placed mm-hmm. um, Michigan Tech grads before. And it's like when I was at CCI, we used to go recruit up at Michigan Tech just because it was nearby and like most of uh, most of the employees at, at CCI had, had gone to Michigan Tech or a large portion of them had. Um, so I think like kind of alumni engagement as we think about kind of what universities care about around, um, you know, this, this kind of recruiting space. Um, it's definitely keeping their alumni engaged over time for a number of reasons. But, um, you know, one big reason is making sure that those alumni are coming back and engaging students um, and kind of, you know, hiring students for internships or full-time jobs right out of college. Um, another piece of it, too, is, is especially from an employer perspective, um, there's certainly kind of friction to recruiting at many schools. Right. Um, and you know, one of Handshake's big goals is kind of eliminate some of those frictions at the very least. But um, you know, as you think about kind of a recruiter's job at, at a company, um, you know, they're they're you know posting jobs to these schools, they're sourcing students from these schools in a number of ways. It might might be LinkedIn, it might be you know Facebook, it might be right. Handshake. Um, so you know, they're kind of going out there and trying to find the students that they'd like to hire, but. Um, doing that completely virtually has some challenges. So most recruiting organizations are going on campus at, at, at least a small set of schools. Right. And you, you, as soon as you talk about going on campus, you're talking about, um, you know, traveling. You're talking about geographic restrictions. You're tr- talking about time investment and, mm-hmm. and resources. So, um, you know, certainly, you know, how many schools a, uh, a recruiter recruits at are is kind of limited to the, the amount of resources they have within their organization. So, you know, one of the things Handshake is trying to accomplish with, with our platform is to um, democratize, like, some of the access to universities. So uh, if you look at some of the products in this space that universities are using to allow recruiters to recruit their students, um, you know, a recruiter might need multiple logins to recruit at 10 different schools. They might right. have 10 different logins. They're logging into 10 different places. They might be posting the same job to 10 different places, but manually doing that. Um, so there's some features of our platform that eliminate some of those frictions, but there's always going to be some amount of friction to recruiting at multiple schools. Right. And, you know, that's, um, you know, one of the things the space is kind of trying to address, uh, address with uh, platforms like Handshake. And there's other kind of... Uh, Newer companies out there that are doing a lot of uh, a lot of work around like the virtual interviewing and kind of uh, yep. um, you know all of the pr- all of the process and tools around kind of making recruiting and like interviewing students and accessing talent easier to do mm-hmm. re- remotely without having to to uh, invest all the time into kind of going on campus at every school. Yeah, yeah, that's an inter- interesting point too about them interviewing remotely. Have you seen or maybe observed uh, someone on your team? Um, you know, kind of dug into maybe how those virtual interviews play into them offering jobs. You see more employers offering jobs remotely, um, or is it more um, recruiting, you know, remotely and then trying to get them to relocate? 
Is there any type of trends there yeah. that you've seen? Yeah, I, I would say especially in the space we're in, which is kind of internships and new college grads at the very least right right now, that's mm-hmm. kind of our focus. Um, I think most employers are looking for these people to re- relocate. Yep. You know, if you don't have a large body of work, you don't have a lot of experience, you don't have, you don't, in a lot of cases, it's hard for employers to kind of hire you straight out of college without a, a huge track record and, and right. kind of do a remote role. Um, so I would say most companies are looking for, for uh, new grads to relocate. Um, and so kind of the remote interviewing and kind of virtual interviewing is, is mostly just an optimization to their recruiting process and not necessarily a reflection of kind of what they're looking for from a remote work perspective right. uh, once they get the job. Right. And that collaborative learning environment obviously is better on-site, immersed in in that sort of thing. So that definitely makes sense. Yeah. Um, so now you said, you know, you just recently transitioned out of a customer success role. Um, what are some of, obviously you guys have grown pretty quickly. You're with over 90% of the Fortune 500. Um, you know, companies use your platform to recruit and uh, get internships and, and entry-level positions. What are some of the biggest things in, that you've learned um, in the customer success role in order to help kind of be a catalyst to growing that team, growing the sales team, and, yeah. and just ensuring that your customers, you know, all three in, in essentially are getting what they need out of the platform? Yeah. I think like one thing is is kind of my answer to that is is kind of different today than it probably was a year ago and kind of what are the as far as kind of what are the things that we need to be focused on mm-hmm. from from that that role. Um, when I first started and kind of took over the customer success team, a lot of it was around. Um, so I'll give I'll give some context. So uh, over the last two years or so, we've gone from basically like zero universities deployed to five universities deployed in 2014 to 65 universities deployed in 2015 to about 180 or so universities deployed uh, this year mm-hmm. in total. Um, so uh, last year, we were I came on in June, which was kind of the middle of kind of the implementation season around that, that wave of, of 60 schools that we were, we were adding to the, the five from 2014. Right. Um, and, you know, from a company perspective, like I said, we were a small team at the time, and I think a lot of that was just around... Um, a lot of that job at the time was around making sure those implementations went well and had some consistency to them, and our team was kind of prepared to implement those schools. So um, a lot of that was around building the team, uh, getting you know, training practices in place, getting processes in place that we really didn't have before. So um, it's kind of the typical startup story, I think, of you know your first few customers. You're kind of just winging it. You're, right. you're learning a lot through kind of every new customer you bring on board. And as soon as you kind of start scaling that, you need to like figure out like what's the process here, like what's the best practice here, what what can we do on every school that that adds some consistency and saves us some time. Right. Um, so that was my big focus for probably the first six months or so of the customer success role was was really just building the team and getting a level of consistency established and kind of you know building out processes and, right. and making sure that. Um, you know, every school was getting a fairly uh, standard level of service from from Handshake, uh, and that included. So when I first started, we we didn't have a customer support team at all. So mm-hmm. like we were kind of um, just handling that as like a side duty of like about five different people on the team. Right. Uh, so we built out a customer support team, like started doing kind of you know some of the standard kind of measurements and, and metrics around that making sure we're optimizing our response times or resolution times, making sure that, you know, as we look at, we actually have a schedule of, okay, the support team like, yep. 
here's when we get tickets, here's how many tickets we should expect, and here's how many people we need to be on tickets at that time to kind of make sure that, that we're keeping up with volume. Mm-hmm. So And did a lot, you know, I know at CCI, you know, part of your role was working with the support team yeah. as far as, you know, creating that software. Did some of that knowledge kind of translate over? Yeah. Um, so did that kind of come naturally, just kind of knowing that side of, you know, being a call center and what it takes? Yeah, I'm, I I think it, it certainly did, and I think I'm I'm a pretty kind of operational, like execution focused mm-hmm. guy in a lot of ways. So like some of the, although like I'm not, I wouldn't say a hugely process focused guy, right? So like even 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 within Handshake today, I would say like our processes are fairly lightweight. Um, but yeah, a lot of the experience from CCI and kind of working with you know kind of the the network operations center team, the call center team certainly applied a lot uh, mm-hmm. to this area. So as we looked at kind of building out a support team and like how to manage it and like what metrics to be looking at and yep. uh, all of those things kind of applied yeah. one for one from from what I learned at CCI. So that was kind of nice. Um, but there are quite a few differences as well. So we didn't have um, phone support at Handshake until about three months ago. We just rolled that mm-hmm. out. Um, so in some ways there was some differences, right? Like right. at CCI, it was all calls. It was all, you know, phone-based support at, at Handshake. It's 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 more of a broader mix of mm-hmm. types of support. And, um, you know, there's some other challenges too. So at Handshake, we have um, an account management team that's assigned, you know, each account manager is assigned, um, you know, a couple dozen universities that they're kind of solely responsible for right. their implementations and kind of their relationship. Um, so, we also have that kind of wrinkle in the mix where we have account managers that are working directly with universities and, you know, potentially uh, you know, they're doing some level of support as well. So right. it's, it's not just the customer support team that encompasses all of support, right. quote unquote, at Handshake because there's other, other elements to it as well. Right. And that's a big part of customer success. A lot of times people think about, you know, when they're building a startup, they want to build the product. They don't think about the support and what it actually takes to keep iterating, yeah. making sure you're getting feedback, doing any interviews you need to do to, to dig deeper. Yeah. Um, so that you know that's an essential part of launching a successful startup is just making sure that you can do those things right. You know, you're um, giving them a platform and a way to, to connect with you. Any tips uh, or advice you would give for people starting their own startup and maybe on the timing of implementing some of those things, whether that's a dedicated support person, yeah. um, a team, what have you. Yeah, I, I would say, you know, a lot of what we did at Handshake was what I would recommend in some ways. So um, maybe I would start to do it a little bit earlier than we did. But, um, you know, when you're doing your first few customers, so when we did, you know, four or five universities in 2014, like I think that was very much the wrong time to, to start scaling the customer success. Rate. Right. So uh, in a lot of ways, it was our, C- in a lot of ways, it was our CEO, Garrett, and a, and a few other people just kind of chipping in and doing the support customer success type activities as something they just kept on themselves for a while and kind of learn the intricacies of. Um, so I think there's a lot of value in kind of the founding team, especially like getting some experience and, and kind of learning what the ins and outs of that are at your company. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, there's also going to be a big difference between like consumer focused type companies versus enterprise type right. companies. So I think in our case, um, I would, you know, classify the university side much more as like an enterprise type type business. Um, so if you're in a startup and, you know, are focused on kind of more of that market or a market that's, that's more enterprisey, I think, um, you know, what Handshake did certainly applies in a lot of ways. Um, so, so I think at the start, you know, the founding team kind of handling those responsibilities is kind of the first thing I would say is, is the way to go. Um, 
And then I think as soon as you see kind of traction, you see kind of uh, your customer base starting to scale and like mm-hmm. you're getting to a point where in our case, we went from five schools to about 65 schools. Um, you know, knowing that's coming and starting to figure out like how you scale that is, is uh, you know, the next step. So um, yeah, I think in our case, it worked out fine. Like having kind of one person responsible for um, for building out that team and figuring out how to scale it, how to establish some processes, mm-hmm. who you know, what types of people you need to hire. Um, you know, I think that all kind of needs to flow probably from from one person that's kind of you know figuring out all the intricacies of that and like kind of uh, you know planning it out from a high level and then kind of building out a team to support that. So in our case. Um, you know, we focused on, you know, building out an account management team that could handle each university account that we were deploying and kind of be kind of a, a, a smooth transition from like the founding team mm-hmm. being very hands-on to an account management team being fairly hands-on. Because yeah. if, if you go directly to kind of like a customer support model where it's all like ticket-based or phone-based, um, I think like it, it can be jarring to especially some inter- enterprise customers yeah, not having definitely. like one point of contact to work with. So I think... The way we did it is basically moving from the founding team to a set of account managers who were focused on each account to uh, then building out a customer support team behind the account managers who are backing right. them up on more day-to-day things. And then the account managers are there to focus on more more specialized. Um, right, more high-level type stuff. Yeah, yeah. And like, you know, over time, more and more our account managers are becoming kind of a consultative resource to each each customer. So rather than an account manager doing emails all day and like basically glorified kind of customer support tickets all day through their inbox. Um, you know, we've transitioned a lot of that activity onto our support team and, and yep. kind of have redefined that account management role over time. And I think that's a pretty natural progression going from, like I said, like founding team to account managers to support and then redefining everybody's role throughout that process mm-hmm. because it, it does change. And I think over time you also by allowing kind of your founding team and then your account managers to be more of a strategic role, more of a consultative role, um, you upgrade kind of the level of service you're actually giving the customer. So it's, it's no right. longer just dealing with issues. Now it's, uh, we're dealing with the issues through our support team, but we're also um, you know, being a resource to, to our customers and kind of helping them do a better job in, in a number of areas. Right, and I'm sure they, you know, they appreciate that too in that face-to-face or even you know, someone checking in from an account management position like, yeah. hey, how are everything's going? They have, that, you know, they have that human point of contact as well as you know, the live chat, the ticket-based yeah. um, support, which has been around for a while, but we know, you know, if you um, had a problem with your cell phone and you hop on AT&T.com and you hop on live chat, it's not a great experience. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah li- uh, we found that out as well. Like, live chat is only good if the live is actually true, right? So right. Like, if, if you can't get back to customers uh, via live chat in, like, a fairly rapid manner, like, it's really, you're, you're breaking a pretty key expectation of live chat yeah. and, like, it, customers like are not happy with that so right yeah so do you guys use live chat now uh we used to we actually transitioned away from that just for that reason right like it's you know if you're not going to do like 60 120 second response times like it's not going to work out yeah so you don't use intercom or drift or anything uh we use intercom uh for kind of you know basically like pushing kind of messages and notifications out to people within the app yeah um we don't use it for uh chat-based support gotcha and you mentioned kind of the face-to-face time of the kind of the account management side, and I think like one that's another thing that that we uh, we I would say struggled with over the, over the past years. Like, um, you know, as you're doing your first few implementations with customers, right? Like, it's, it's 
it's I think very necessary to be on site and mm-hmm. like to to be getting FaceTime with those customers and to like really be esta- establishing kind of deep relationships with those initial customers, especially. But the problem with that is it doesn't scale, right? So right. doing sixty five customers and being on site with everyone is its own set of challenges. Yeah. Um, and then doing like 100, 120 customers that we added this year um, is like a whole other scale of, of challenges. So that's another thing we've kind of, you know, adapted to over time. And I, I would, you know, I think most startups, especially on the enterprise side, are running this as they scale, mm-hmm. right? Like you want to be very, very hands-on with your first first few customers, but you have to figure out kind of processes and um you know, more asynchronous ways of working with your customers over time, or it's just not going to scale with you. Know, like you're going right. to, you have to get to a point where you can scale customers without scaling one-to-one your headcount. And like, that's one thing we've, we've done quite a bit of, it's just like a bunch of different strategies around like how we scale our team mm-hmm. and our customer base without that relationship being one-to-one. So yeah, um, done a lot of things around like asynchronous training and like doing, you know, remote trainings, virtual trainings, and like doing, less have, having less of a need to be on site at every customer as much as we were last year and the year before right um, and I think that's a trend that every you know every company needs to be on uh, to to really scale out their customer base yeah yeah it goes to the old um, you know kind of standard uh, startup approach that do things that don't scale at first yeah. I'm sure that you learned a ton that you can then start to implement those yeah. um, processes after that but without kind of going through the hard points and you know, hearing the things maybe they wouldn't tell you if you were on the phone, you know, going through it with them, you learn a lot of uh, the intricacies of that and and can start to implement that. And like I said, I think a lot of this has to do with where we're at Mm -hmm. now and a year ago and the year before that. Like, I I definitely agree that, um, you know, having that FaceTime, doing some of that customer development, like figuring out like what... uh, what they need, what they want, what their problems are, especially mm-hmm. with uh, as we're kind of deploying our product within those organizations. Like, there's no substitute for that learning experience over the last year, year and a half yep. as we kind of deployed our first customers. But then you have to very quickly shift and like you have to figure out where this shift actually happens for your company. But um, you very quickly shift to like, okay, we, this doesn't scale. Like, we're now at a point where we need to scale this out and, like, take the learnings that we, we did pick up from right. our initial customers and apply them to, to all customers in a more scalable way. Yeah, definitely. Um, the other thing, too, from the customer success standpoint um, was that you had a user conference. Mm-hmm. Could you tell us a little bit about that and maybe the yeah. role that that played? Is that something you guys continue to do? Yeah, yeah. Um, so so we, we did our user conference the first week of June this year. It was in Chicago. Um and yeah, it was it was amazing actually. It's it's the uh, it's one of those kind of seminal events I think for, at least for us it was of kind of getting you know we had about 150 180 people uh, that from I think around 70 75 different universities mm-hmm. that, that came to the user conference, um, and I don't know it was just interesting kind of getting face to face time with both customers that have been on the platform for a year or two and some customers that are kind of deploying the the platform now. Um, and I think it's like, it's been hugely kind of influential in a lot of ways of like really kind of getting that word of mouth out there about Handshake, especially in kind of the the, the niche that we're in. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, we held it Monday and Tuesday in Chicago of the first week of June, um, and then kind of the national conference of colleges and, and employers was Wednesday, Thursday, Friday of that week in Chicago as well. So we kind of timed it with, mm-hmm. with a big national conference. And just kind of the the bump in kind of word of mouth and positive, uh, 
you know, conversation going on around Handshake uh, throughout that week was was well worth it. Um, and I think, you know, just just getting in front of customers and like having customers able to be talking to each other yeah. um, is is hugely valuable. And um, I don't think there's really any substitute to that. Like you can do like a webinar and like have people asking you questions or, uh, you know, you can go on site at some of these universities and be more one-on-one handshake yeah. in that one university. But getting kind of this collaborative environment built out is, is so essential to kind of, I, in a lot of ways, um, you know, making current customers happy, but also kind of building buzz in the space and kind of making sure that um, when you're, sales team is talking to customers like mm-hmm. they're hearing that okay this university talked to this other university that's a current customer of ours and they heard nothing but great things right and they heard the user conference was great like they heard um you know you know nothing but good things really and like the, i think the user conference is kind of a, a key element of us uh making sure that's happening and mm-hmm. making sure that that people are collaborating that yeah, and that and that strategy of hosting it right before at the same location as yeah. this national conference, yeah. um, I'm sure helped because people Absolutely. that weren't there, I'm sure they, hey, we were just at, you know, we've been here all week. We were at this Handshake user conference yeah. Um, yeah. and kind of snowball from there. Yeah, it was great. Yeah. Good. Um, so you mentioned, you know, you translated over from or transferred over from customer success to now back to the engineering team where you started. Um what are some of the things you've kind of learned or carried with you? Um, are you still doing some of those customer service type roles or are you really just kind of now, you know, into the deep end of engineering and, and in code all day? Yeah, um, it's been an interesting transition and I think it's it's exactly that. It's a transition. Um, you know, I've, I've pretty much moved out of all kind of day-to-day stuff on the customer success side at this point. Um, and I've moved into a role on our engineering team where I'm focused on kind of student side product. So. Uh, like I said before, kind of that more consumer-focused side of our product. So mm-hmm. a lot of it is about, um, you know, optimizing, building out features and building out uh, a platform that, that optimizes for, you know, activation rates and retaining students and mm-hmm. making sure we're, we're not just engaging a student in this kind of transactional, I want an internship uh, type of way, which is important and, mm-hmm. and we need to do that. Um, but also how do we make the platform valuable to a student throughout kind of their their life at college and hopefully beyond so how can we you know build out resources and content for those students that actually makes them want to you know log into handshake on a fairly frequent basis rather than just kind of the once a year when they're looking for that that internship or they're looking for their first full-time job um so it's been really interesting and you know i think it's it's certainly a transition. Like I think there's some stuff from the customer success role. There's a lot of things from the customer success role that, that certainly translate over and make me a little bit more, I think like customer driven mm-hmm. than if I were just an engineer off the street, um, who's just coming into handshake. Right. Um, but it's a little different as well, just because uh, on the customer success side, especially at least right now, um, you know, we serve all three kind of user bases. So employers, uh, universities and students. Um, but, especially from an account management and implementation perspective on the customer success team, we're very focused on the university side and making, making those implementations go well. Um, and, and then kind of uh, making them successful on the platform over time once the implementation is over. Um, but moving into the student focused roles a little different, right? Mm-hmm. It's just like, you know, the university side is very kind of enterprisey, like implementations yep. and like data integrations and things like that. Like the student side is, is more of a, you know, consumer app in a lot of ways. And I think there's just like a mindset shift mind right. in, in some ways that's that's a, a transition. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's good. And, and when you think about, you know, focusing on the universities, they're kind of the, the key to the equation when it comes to getting companies. You know, if, if they say, yeah. hey, we're using Handshake, even if it was a bad experience, students would have to use that if they wanted to find jobs. Not saying that it is, but just saying, like, they kind of hold the key. So focusing on making that, um, you know, that interaction and that application flow uh, make sense. Yeah, and that's it's certainly kind of a draw. yeah, it's certainly been been our big focus for the you know past several years actually, just making that university experience as, as good as humanly possible. Um, but I, I mean, I mentioned I'm on our student side engineering team, right? Um, so it's just now, and kind of the last six to nine months or so has been kind of the first time we've started to focus teams at Handshake on the student employer side as well. So mm-hmm. um, you know we've built out like a product organization and, and built up the engineering organization to a point where we're starting to, you know, specialize a bit. And, you know, so now we have um, a few people focused on student side product, including me, a few people uh, focused on employer side product, um, including a designer, a product manager, and a, and a few engineers. Um, and then kind of that, that um, I won't say legacy, but that that existing kind of university mm-hmm. side team that's that's focused on that. So, um, we're just now kind of transitioning as a company to being exclusive from being exclusively focused on the university side to kind of more uh, aligning our teams across these kind of user-based verticals and, mm-hmm. and starting to optimize in, in different ways for each of those different kind of uh, types of users. Yeah, and that, that makes a lot of sense to me. I mean, a lot of the stuff we focus on here is just building empathy for what, you know, someone's role is, what they have yep. to do, what's the job. And, and it sounds like that's what you guys are doing there. You know, instead of focusing people across, you know, all three, you can kind of build empathy for the student if you're on the student team and really focus on making those interactions as good as they can be based on, mm-hmm. you know, those users so that. And everybody's interacting with each other throughout this process. So employers are working with the university to like go to the career fair, to do some on-campus interviewing. Yep. The students are working with their career center, and the employers are, are working with students and doing interviews and kind of, uh, you know, looking at students for roles. But, um, you know, in a lot of ways, I think they all have different kind of needs as well. So, like, they're all working together, but they're doing very different things from, right. from a, you know, a goals perspective. So um, having teams like our, our student side team uh, has been doing a few like user studies and like going on on campus at a few mm-hmm. different universities out in kind of the San Francisco area. So I think we've we've been to Stanford and Berkeley at this point and like are, are doing a few other kind of, you know, on site user studies at some universities out there. Uh, and just like being able to do that and being able to talk to students and like figure out what their pain points are, what their goals are, what, mm-hmm. the, what they're going through, I think is is so valuable for us long term to actually build out a product that really resonates with that user base. Where if we were just working with the universities and, and very, very focused on that, like we're never going to hit some of those, uh, you know, some of those pain points. Right. So, um, I think it's been good to like build some empathy for each kind of user base, like you said. Um, and then actually start making changes to the product that actually reflects some of those learnings and actually pushes pushes the company forward. Mm-hmm. Um, so what, one of the things I guess we didn't talk about is that you're kind of splitting time between Upper Michigan and San Francisco. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit more about that and yeah. flying out of Iron Mountain International? <laughs> yeah, Iron Mountain International. It's Ford International Airport. Ford International. But yeah, so so I've been like I said before at Handshake about fifteen months or so, and I've been uh, I'm a pretty pro remote guy as a whole. So like you know like I'm one of those guys who's like following everyone on Twitter and like reading articles and like uh, you know really 
really bought into kind of the remote work lifestyle in mm. some ways. Um, but it's also like I've had a kind of a leadership role at the company. I've been kind of doing a lot of things that have involved like building teams and kind of making sure things are operating at peak efficiency and things mm-hmm. like that. So uh, being on site is pretty important as well, for, especially for the role I was in, but but also now. Um, so I've been splitting time 50-50 between kind of my, my, my home and the Upper Peninsula. It's, seems like you guys have uh, a monopoly on Upper Peninsula tech uh, people interviews. So, yeah, um, so far. <laughs> But yeah, I'm I'm from Norway, Michigan. I, I grew up in in the Upper Peninsula. Um, so you know, I live there now. I have a wife and two kids. So like, I'm flying back and forth. My wife stays at home and, and takes care of the kids and tries not to to kill me. Uh, and I'm I'm out in San Francisco basically two weeks every month, and then I'm back home two weeks every month. And it's gone well so far, actually. It's it's been a good mix of you know being in the office, like fast paced startup life. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, really interacting with everybody like on a pretty frequent basis, like getting all the meetings out of the way, like really, really talking to people and collaborating and then being able to go home and work from my basement and like get, get work done without a ton of interruption. So right. it's uh, it's been an interesting balance, both from like a personal kind of lifestyle perspective, but also from a, from a work perspective, too, because it is uh, I think there is value in in both, right? Like being kind of home and, and having kind of a little bit of lack of interruptions mm-hmm. and being able to get stuff done and then being out in the office and being able to collaborate pretty closely with people. So it's been good. I think it's, um, you know, it's it's been a, a pretty solid balance so far. And I think it's all kind of win-win for me at this point. Yeah. And, and we'll see how it keeps going. But yeah. Good. Yeah. Like you said, the the big city feel and San Francisco and yeah. um, I mean, Norway Michigan hub. is just like San Francisco. Norway is just a step below. Yeah, I think I mean, we talked to Ben. He said, you know, Marquette's up there, too. So <laughs> yeah. they're all three that's pretty similar. But yeah, you know, disconnecting and going to, to Norway and or yeah, Norway now a um, yeah. little bit of that Northwoods feel. I mean, yeah, it's way smaller than Green Bay and Green Bay feels pretty small. So. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, so one of, you know one of the the last things I wanted to kind of talk about is you went from customer success to engineering, um, customer success. You know what are what are some of the things that kind of handshake wide that you know how do you guys measure success and how do you you know that when you had five universities that it was time for you to start scaling and really ramp up sales teams to get yeah. sixty five and then onboarding a hundred plus this year. Um, what are some of the key indicators and metrics sure. from a startup perspective that? kind of the whole team adopts and, and yeah. buys into. I would say we kind of lucked into, I, I think the hardest kind of transition is basically going from that five to the 65. Mm-hmm. Like that's I, seeing when that's coming and, and if it's going to come uh, is is probably the most difficult kind of transition for most companies. Uh, I think in our case, we kind of lucked out in that, like we had a pretty small team uh, and like you know, maybe two people out there doing sales throughout that kind of process, two or mm-hmm. three people doing sales throughout that process. And we just got a lot of traction, like, pretty quickly. Um, and then we had to, like, ramp up after the fact, right? Mm-hmm. It was, uh, like, okay, we've, we've got 60 customers coming. We better hire some people. We better yep. get going here. Like, we better figure this out. And we better make it happen, right? So I think not every company like has that i think there's you know a lot of a lot of good timing in our case that that happened and uh when i came in last year in june and kind of the middle of that that 60 65 new school kind of wave mm-hmm. um it was very much like getting catching back up and like get, getting to the point where we actually could handle that workload and like make right. it at least you know moderately successful right um so i think that was you know like i 
that phase, I wouldn't really point to many KPIs that we went through that really helped us because I think we kind of lucked into it in mm-hmm. a lot of ways and like really got a lot of good customer traction early and like then you, had to scale after the fact. Right. Do you attribute that customer kind of, uh, I guess, getting buy-in and getting them on the platform? Was it word of mouth from the five schools or is it like, like you said, a little bit of timing, the marketplace is, is kind of the market, um, yeah. some of the I, apps out there. Yeah, or not. I think, yeah, I think a lot of it was timing, to be honest. Um, you know, there's, I won't go into all of it, but there's kind of some things happening within kind of uh, the market we're in, especially on the university side that, um, you know, pushed a lot of that forward. And, and like I said, like some of that is, is definitely luck. Mm-hmm. Um, and then like Garrett, our CEO, is just really good at kind of building interest and building uh, buzz and, and kind of getting... A very energetic guy. Yeah, yeah. So um, <laughs> I, w- I would attribute a lot of it to him as well and kind of the early sales team we put together, which, which like I said, was not a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I think we just did a really good job and had some kind of unique talents on the team that kind of made that possible. And then yeah. the, the market uh, kind of shaping up the way it did, especially last year, certainly didn't hurt either. Right. Did you get any feedback of why schools were willing to switch over? You said market and stuff, but like coming from a small team, a small young team, um, perhaps, you know, this is obviously a big problem for them. Career centers are are measured on success and placement rate. They have to answer to, you know, their boss. Um, Yeah, I think a lot of it is, I mean, it's a unique space, right? I mean, so these people work day in, day out with college students. And mm -hmm. it's their like life's work to to make college students successful and to like make sure they're like, going down a career path that makes sense for them and, and gives them the most fulfilling life possible, right? And and really that's, I mean, a lot of what gets me excited about Handshake too is, is we're, we're playing in that exact same space. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you think about from a, you know, university career services, especially perspective, um, you know, s- startup of like 23, 24-year-old, uh, you know, fresh out of college, uh, you know, young professionals is appealing to them right like it's like seeing a success story is is something that um you know they do they're in that day in and day out and like seeing like young people be successful Mm -hmm. is 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 something that that they're they're all for so i think there's some element to that where we're you know we're in a market where kind of young uh scrappy like do anything to be successful type type people are are uh are valued and and Mm -hmm. looked looked upon as, as a good thing right so um, I think that that was helpful. And then I think from there too, like the other the other pieces, um, you know, we have er, there's there's early adopters in our space, just like yep. there are in every other space. So there's a lot of people who, um, you know, outcomes of college, whether college is a worthwhile investment, um, you know, what, what's the what is the ROI on, on going to, to college and mm-hmm. getting a four year degree? Like there's all these conversations going on around kind of these topics kind of nationally and internationally right now. So there's a lot of people uh, within the space who are looking at things like that and are open to change and, and open to a company that maybe, you know, is not as, you know, a product that's not as full featured, at, at least at the time, right. um, uh, than others in the market, but um, is iterating and, and improving at such a rapid pace that yep. they want to be involved in that and they want to be, be, be involved in kind of helping shape the future of the product and the company. So I think in a lot of ways, like the incumbents in the space, um, you know, weren't as responsive to the, those some of those needs as, as they could have been. Right. Um, and there's kind of a market opportunity, especially among kind of those early adopter type people who are looking to be involved in something and shape mm-hmm. something uh, over over the, the course of time um, that resonated with some of the customers as well. And I think that's, that's right. part of what got us from, you know, 
zero customers to where we are today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and part of that is right is feeling the pain and and being driven towards a company that's more innovation focused and yeah. willing to take some uh, some risks and um, change things from the yeah. way they've been done. I think there, and I think there's so many markets like that out there. You look at any um, space where um, there's like a relatively uh, concentrated niche or, or uh, some niche that a company's carved out for themselves mm-hmm. in, in kind of these small to medium kind of enterprise um, areas. Like m- a lot of those markets, you could say that about as well. Like there's an incumbent that's been there for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, maybe they're not as responsive to their customer needs as, as they have been. Maybe they're um, more at that point where they've kind of built out a product, they have an established customer base, and now they're just kind of riding it from that point on. Right. Um, you know, there's, our market is no different than I think a lot of those where, where you know, a small startup company that can sell a vision and can actually um, innovate their product and, and iterate on it quick enough to kind of show that they're they're serious about mm-hmm. it um, can get some traction with customers that are that are looking to be that are looking to change the game or gain some efficiencies in some ways that that uh, the incumbent companies aren't providing to them. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you just look no farther than Uber and. You know, companies yeah, like Airbnb, yeah. companies like that, that, you know, it's not a new space. It's yeah. just a, it's a new take. It's not a sexy space. Either. Right. Like hospitality and like taxis aren't like the most sexy industries, but uh, um, they can be disrupted and yeah. build a company around that. Yeah. Definitely. Well, thanks again for coming on the show. Uh, it was great, great chatting. Anything, uh, where can people find you? Uh, yeah. Handshake, yeah. So I'm, I'm, uh, you know, Handshake is joinhandshake.com if you guys want to look us up. Um, I'm on Twitter. My Twitter handle's at B-J-R-E-A-T-H, at B-J-Reith. Um, that's probably the best pay- place to hit me up. Cool. And then a little little backstory. Actually, met Brian at a startup week in Green Bay probably, yeah. what was it, two years ago, three years ago? It was three years ago. Um, we started a dating app. Anyway, we didn't pursue it after that, but uh, mingle, man, mingle, yeah, I, uh, yeah, and then I actually worked with Brian for a little bit at CCI um, yeah. contracting, and then um, led the team there full time um, before starting Headway. So, um, kind of that's how how we met, and we've done a little work uh, with the Handshake team as well, and um, yeah, just thanks again for coming on. Just wanted to add that backstory to it. Yeah, no problem, man. Thanks for having so, me. So, thanks, guys. Thanks for listening to Seaworthy. Connect with us on Twitter at SeaworthyFM. And make sure to subscribe, ask questions, and leave feedback on the Remarks app. We'll see you again in two weeks.